Think back to the day you walked down the aisle, your wedding day. You were overwhelmed with emotion. At that point, it was going to be forever. You were going to make each other happy for the rest of your lives. The white picket fence, the perfect little family. Well, that's not the case for everyone. Something happens along the way, and the dreaded D word pops up. Divorce. It's sad, but from the minute you both utter that word, your marriage goes from love to a business deal. You have to protect yourself and your finances. And as hard as it is, you have to take the emotion out. It's Seven Figures. I'm Sandy Waters. Protect yourself and your finances. Take the emotion out. That's the focus of this weekly podcast. We bring in the experts and we touch on everything that has to do with setting you up for financial success to keep you focused. Financial independence is the ultimate goal. Money is a major reason for stress in our lives. Let's take away that stress and actually be able to enjoy life. And let me tell you, it feels pretty damn good to go into work knowing that you're there because you want to be there and not because you have to be there. This week, we cash in with the expert, master's degree in banking and finance. Her resume also includes investment executive, a finance and economics college professor, and now author of Freeing Yourself Financially, a woman's guide to rebuilding her finances after divorce, Kristen Paul. Thanks, Kristen, for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Divorce. I don't think anybody on their wedding day is thinking about, oh, yeah, my marriage won't last. How many times have you talked to somebody who has been through it and they tell you the same thing? Divorce will ruin you financially. And it's not just men saying that in regards to child support payments and alimony. Actually, studies show that the first year after divorce, the wife's standard of living drops about 27%. And at first when I saw that, I was like, still in 2017? Is this referring to stay-at-home moms? Is it because women still tend to make less? But then I started to think, well, more times than not, one person in the relationship has to pull back from their career when kids are involved. And I guess it still tends to be the woman. Absolutely. It's impossible if they're professionals for both professionals to be working, you know, 60, 70 hours a week and still have a relationship with the family and with the children. So somebody does make that sacrifice most times it is the woman. So her income already, because of that, is, is less. And then when you add into the divorce, she's starting on a lower income. She still has the responsibilities of children. Then she has to make a choice. Do I increase my income by working more hours, which also increases her costs of daycare? Yeah. Um, or do I keep that income level the same and try to give my children more of my time? Okay, let's be honest. If we're looking at our marriage as a business deal, like the court does, as much as it pains me to say it, it's probably not a good idea to have just one person take over the finances like most of us do. Maybe just once a month, sit down and go through everything together. Okay. And the other really important thing is, and this is for if you think you're divorcing or even not, Mm -hmm. make sure that the other person knows the password to the bank statements, to the credit card statements, to the retirement account, any investment accounts you have. Because if something did happen to you, even if you were in the hospital, you might need access to that information. You know, taking that one step further, if you are thinking that you're divorcing or if you're going through that process, you need full information. Both people need to know what the bank account is, how to access the bank account, and all of the other things, including the debt, which is also very important. You want to make sure that your credit report is accurate 
And credit report is a big thing going through divorce, especially for a woman, um, just a couple of reasons why. One is if there's any financial abuse or domestic abuse, a tactic that some people use is they will take out a card in their spouse's or ex-spouse's name and they'll run that up and that other person is responsible for that debt. Another mm-hmm. thing to think about is if you are a stay-at-home mom, you don't have that income to show and if you do leave, it is harder to get credit, even a credit card. That is an issue that a lot of women face. They don't have any credit, so they can't borrow money. They might not be able even to get an apartment because they don't have that any credit to show that they have been, they've been paying, especially if the bills have been in the husband's name. If you see your marriage is going down the wrong path, going down the path to divorce, is timing key? Timing is a tricky issue. One area of timing would be do you think that your spouse is going to get a promotion? If he is going to get a promotion, you might want to wait until after he does, because if you aren't waiting until after he does, you want to make sure that there's something built into the agreement, the separation agreement, that says that um, if he receives a higher pay, you will get additional child support or spousal support. So that is one area where Timing could be an issue. Mm -hmm. All men, by the way, are cringing at this. And sometimes in some relationships, it could be reverse. But studies show that it it typically is the woman who hits harder. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. It's harder with the the financial side of divorce. Mm -hmm. Another thing is Social Security. Ten years is the magic number, I believe, to get a piece of his or or her uh, Social Security. Definitely look into that. And along the same line, you should have... Um, right to some of their retirement account as well. And and there's, I think, a formula that they will try to go by depending on the number of years that you were married. You should be um, entitled to some of their retirement, which makes sense because you were, you know, sacrificing as they were working hard as well. So, and it works both ways that the ex also is, can be, um, can have some of your retirement. So Mm -hmm. it works both ways. Those are a lot of things, it's very complicated, uh, very messy, but those are some of the things to think about as well. It's not just your current things, it's also future benefits, retirement, Social Security. Oh my gosh, I can only imagine my husband's face right now if he's listening to this. But like we said at the start of the podcast, the court sees your marriage as a business agreement. And to protect yourself when the thought of divorce comes up, unfortunately, you got to take all the emotion out and see it as a as a business deal as well. That's very hard to do so because there are emotions, mm-hmm. huge emotions involved. But also, but if you can kind of separate your emotions, and that usually is more of the any if you have children or even just going through the the breakup is very difficult. But if when you're dealing with the with the business side, with the money and the debt. If, if you can just try to focus on the business sense, it will benefit you in the future, definitely. Um, post-nuptial agreements. I guess it's supposed to protect you when you're in the middle of, okay, this relationship isn't going where we thought it was going to go when we walked down the aisle. The last-ditch effort to make this marriage work. Some would advise you to look into post-nuptial agreements, which means... Before this gets really ugly and before we really hate each other, let's try to iron out the details. If you had to do it again, would you entertain that idea? Yes. I, I'm guessing that 
is similar to mediation, which is definitely the way to go if you can. With mediation, what you can do is you both meet with a mediator and you try to hash out all of the business decisions. And then if their children are involved, those issues as well. And then the mediator can come up with a separation agreement, which then you can take to your lawyer, have him or her review it, and then you can go back to the mediator with any changes that you request. But it's really getting in a room with your future ex-spouse and trying to come up together with how we can fairly split the assets and take on the liabilities. After the divorce, how do we recover financially? How do we get back on our feet? First thing that you need to do, and this really should be while you're still living together, is you want to make sure you have all the documents you need. And even the basic documents that suppose you are leaving the house. Do you have your social security card, your birth certificate? Do you have your children's birth certificates? Do you have any medical information? Do you have the insurance cards or copies of insurance cards? You want to make sure that you are separating financially, meaning that all accounts are split. And some people don't do this right away. You want to make sure that your name is not on anything that you are not required to pay. Like if he stays in the house, is your name on the electric bill? Are you required to pay that? That has to be switched. Oh my gosh, this sounds so overwhelming. It is overwhelming. And what I did in the book is I really broke it down. It's just doing one thing at a time. This is a very important step because like you said, this is so overwhelming. A lot of times things that are overwhelming, we just kind of push to the side and Mm -hmm. we don't want to acknowledge. So what you want to do is you want to say, what is my income? You know, what, are, what are you making through your job? And then do you have child support or spousal support or even dividends or anything like that that you might have coming in? So take stock in where you are in terms of your income. Log all of your expenses for at least a month. Well, now, see, that's good advice for all of us. We should all do that. As painful as it is, as much as we hate to keep logs, like the food log and the money log, it's hard to be completely honest, but it does show the real picture. Even the little expenses, write it down. That one doesn't count in my expense sheet. (laughs) No, it does count. And then what I suggest also in the book and through my own learning experience, add about 5% to that number. Suppose your expenses are $2,000. So maybe add 5% or $100 extra because there are adjustments. There are things that you forgot. Um, Bills come up that were unexpected. Mm. So you want to have a little cushion. And then the next step is compare the two. Is your income greater than your expenses? We should all do that and revisit that. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're looking through your money log, be realistic. Needs versus wants. So, yeah, that's that's a hard one. (laughs) But I need that cup of coffee. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. And funny, that's usually what financial advisors will say, you know, cut out the Starbucks, cut out the the lunches, instead bring your own lunch or bring leftovers. But there are many other ways that we can decrease expenses. And I um, did spell out a lot of different ways in the book, but first look at how much you are spending on certain categories. Are you comfortable with that amount? Do you feel like you're spending too much um, going out to eat, which is a very common one that we look at? Um, maybe if you go out to eat twice a month, cut it to once a month. If you do have children, instead of having relatives giving toys for the children for holidays, you could ask for a membership to the zoo or a museum, a child mm-hmm. museum. Make that a family day where you're spending time with the kids 
and you could pack a picnic lunch. It's a free day for you, but it's a great um, adventure and it's a great activity yeah. for the family. Working with other women is can be very important. You can swap babysitting where if you want to just do anything, do the grocery shopping or go out with someone, have your friend babysit the kids, and then at another time you babysit their children, and it's free. There are so many different little things. And it's these little things that seem so obvious, but really, honestly, it adds up. Trimming, oh, it does. You got to live live lean and live mean. It, it really exactly. adds up. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. This is important. Once you have that information, then go to the next step, which, again, is overwhelming. But what assets do you have? What do you currently own? And then... Look at the opposite side. What liabilities do you have? Do you have car payments? Do you have student loans? Do you have a mortgage? After you look at those and you know where you stand financially, then you can take the appropriate steps to get yourself back on track. Like you want to increase your income. And most of us are going to want to increase our income because as we talked about in the beginning, we go from a one household to two households, we are worse off our standard of living has fallen. So how can we increase that standard of living? The first thing, once you get to that step, and again, it's very overwhelming and don't expect to be doing this in a week or two. This can take months Mm -hmm. and that's okay. As long as you're making certain steps. When you look at your income, you want to have a resume that shines. I think that is very important for your employment, for future employment. And even if you think, oh, I'm not going to switch my job. I love my job. A friend might mention, oh, there's this new position opening in our company and you realize that it's for a lot more money, maybe better hours, and you want to act on that. You want to have that resume ready to go immediately. And confidence. Confidence is a big thing that I think more women struggle with than men. We don't self-promote enough. Um, And that whole looking at your liabilities and assets, that is something you should do yearly. Everybody should do just to kind of get, you know, Get the big picture of what's going on. What did I do this year that I I can trim away the fat and, you know, apply it to something else? Exactly. As soon as the debt decreases or, you know, some of these debts go away, Mm -hmm. suppose you have credit card debt, then you can put it on that money that you were allocating goes to something else. That can you can knock down a car payment or a student loan, right? Or you can start to increase your savings, and just depending on where you uh, fit along that spectrum. Yeah, you know it's funny because every time we do this podcast, no matter what topic, what theme we're talking about, everybody says the same thing: is to be aware of where you stand and to knock down that debt piece by piece and stay focused. Yeah. And starting, of course, with the highest interest it takes discipline. It takes focus. Well, what's the one thing when you, because you lived this, you went yeah. through it and that's um, what made you write this book. What was yeah. the one thing that you found most overwhelming that was the biggest struggle to overcome, but once you did, it felt damn good? I think the biggest thing was really my lifestyle change where I went from two income where he made much more than I did to one income And I couldn't afford going to the department store to buy clothes for myself or my children. Mm -hmm. I went to thrift shops. That, that was one thing. I mean, just an example, you know, um, food expenses went way down. We didn't go to the movies a lot. We would wait until they came out on TV. Um, And then we'd have, you know, movie nights. 
So I think really the standard of living adjustment was huge. But once I was able to adjust to that and kind of take stock and realize that it matters, but only to an extent, the, really, the most important thing is spending quality time with your family. And I was able to do that. It was just in a different way. That must be so hard as a mom when your kids are asking for things and you just can't make it happen. It's just not in the budget. But kids don't see that. They can't comprehend that. They just see what their friends have and now they don't have it. And mommy said they don't have it. I think really instilling the value that money doesn't necessarily buy happiness is important. And it is really, like you said, it's really hard for kids do not understand that. But one thing you can do is say, when, you know, the next holiday, okay, for your birthday, we'll buy you that, um, that video game. Um, you just have to wait a little while. And it, it does, it's very hard, and it's hard on the child, but it teaches them something. And yeah. that's a lifelong lesson that they realize they, you don't necessarily get instant gratification. Yeah. And you have to wait for it. And that prepares them for the future when they can't buy a house on day one when they, you know, when they think they can, they are going to have to save for that. So I think that is a very valuable lesson. It's a hard one. It's a hard pill to swallow, but it's a very important lesson. And reiterating that, you know, spending time with them is truly a gift where, because you could go out maybe and get a second job to give your kids every single thing they want, but then they're missing out on the most important thing, which is you. Yeah. And that's, I think we all struggle with that. I struggle with that. I feel like at a point I talk too much about money with the kids and I feel like Uh that's now they're like, Oh, mom's not going to say yes because she's cheap or whatever. She always says no when I ask her for money, but it's a fine line between teaching them the lesson of, I don't care if your friend has 12 pairs of sneakers Right. You got the one and you're going to get your next pair when back to school shopping. Of course, we want to give them everything that they want. You feel guilty, right, that they're even going through this, the process of divorce. So you feel guilty. And that's one thing that probably a lot of parents do unintentionally. Just give, give, give. And then it does it become a game of competing? Who gives more, mom or dad? It, It can very well become a game of competing. And that is dangerous for many reasons, because what are you teaching your children at that point that you can buy love? A lot of it is values. You know, what do you want to teach your children is the most important thing. Express to them that time is more important, that you can't have everything that you want instantly, that you have to work for things. The reality of, you know, most of us can't have everything we want. We do make sacrifices. So if they learn that at a young age, I I do think that benefits them in the future. So when they come to you and say, oh, but dad says it's okay, or dad bought me this. Explain to them the situation and try to make it a learning experience. Okay. Like, you know, a teachable moment. Dad might be able to afford that, but I'm not in that same financial situation. You know, I have this, this, and this bill that I need to pay. I make less money and it's okay to be honest maybe they'll get a different perspective and they'll have gratitude for what you give to them, what you're able to give to them. When you're going through a divorce, it costs a lot financially, but also psychological. There's a psychological cost to it. Absolutely. It takes a huge emotional toll because not only are you 
splitting up with the person that you thought you were going to spend the rest of your life with. But if children are involved, you're having to struggle with the guilt of having the children be in a split household. Mm -hmm. And you really need to focus on self-care. That is very important. Lean on the people that are close to you, that are there for you. Seek out a counselor if that's something you feel you need. Still going to the doctor, making sure you you are physically healthy um, and mentally healthy is very important for not only you, but for your children. But all of that can give you that confidence that we were discussing earlier. Now it's time for the ROI, Return on Investment. We appreciate you listening to this podcast, and we also appreciate you subscribing to it on iTunes. What is the most important piece of advice you can give when it comes to rebuilding financially after a divorce? I think when when we, we tried mediation, and when I went to my lawyer and he went to his lawyer, we came back with multiple issues, and it broke down. Mediation broke down. Mm. That, I think, I was a point where I felt hopeless. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was not going to be able to get out of this relationship. I was not going to be able to start my life over, which is what I was just desperate to do. I just wanted to start over and start to build myself up again to start to build up my finances again and take control again. So I think that that was a low moment for me and that it was really hard to deal with. It it just was where I felt trapped. So I really, at that point, I depended on a lot of people to keep me going and just through really leaning on the closest people in my life Um, trying to stay as positive as possible. And another, I think probably the biggest thing was knowing that this was not going to go on forever, even though it felt like it. There would be a point I could see in the future that I would be fully separated and then divorced and I would be rebuilding my life. And I looked forward to that. So I think knowing that this process is not going to last forever, even though you feel like it's going to last forever, really helped me. I knew there would be an ending point. Didn't know when it was, but I knew there would be an ending point. Kristen Paul, Freeing Yourself Financially, A Woman's Guide to Rebuilding Her Finances After Divorce. It's on Kindle. You can find it also on Amazon. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. We did focus a lot on women. I need to give equal time to the men, I recognize. So I need to find a book to help men rebuild their finances after divorce. I'll work on that. But next week on Seven Figures, it is a tough conversation to have, but it needs to be well thought out when it comes to wills and estate planning. We invite back in the experts from Petrella Phillips, the ins and outs of protecting yourself and your parents' estate next week on Seven Figures on Twitter at Seven Figures Pod. And thanks for subscribing on iTunes.